0: Welcome to this week's Dewsbury Gospel Church Podcast with Pastor Ward. The Word of God is a lamp to our feet, amen. You know, we are living in a dark world in many ways as we we perceive the things that are going on and every time we turn the TV on we hear these horrible accounts of what is happening and uh, over in the Middle East, isn't it amazing, you know, uh, when we read our Bible, much of it is a concentration of what was happening in the Middle East, and now uh, every time we listen to the news, it's that concentration of those countries that we read about, and um, the awful things that are happening over in Damascus, and... uh, this is the place that paul was on his way to persecute the believers and uh, then the things that happening in egypt the bondage of uh, israel in that nation for 430 years and until they were set free and yet still to wander about in the desert for 40 years and there's the promised land that they could have got in within probably 11 days and uh, it's just a picture so often of of the way that life is even today where people are are still wandering about in a wilderness not able seemingly to find the true meaning of life and when Jesus was before Pontius Pilate he asked Jesus a question which Jesus didn't answer directly and he said what is truth and there, standing right in front of him, was the truth. Jesus said, "I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me." And we hear so much of. Um, I did, we just heard it, you know. We we have folks coming into the bookshop, and um, uh, they. Uh, we had a lady coming in, and, and she said, "Well." Uh, she just told us she was leaving the church that she'd been going to for some time, and she said, I just can't believe the things that are being preached. And uh, things like, well, we're all going up the same mountain, whether we're Muslim or Buddhist or Christian or whatever. It's not true. There's only one way, and Jesus said it, and he never told a lie. He said, I'm the way the truth and the life. And so, isn't it good to hear that this week, this last week that's gone, these children were hearing the truth of who Jesus is because, of course, it's so little spoken about in schools as it used to be in our day when we were at school. I can remember, you know, hearing about Jesus and the disciples and, and yet these days, of course, well, we got to tell Everybody about all the other religions. And, you know, Christianity has been marginalized even in, in education. And that, that's so sad because we know Jesus said, uh, "Woe betide any that keep the truth from these little ones. Bring them to me, he said. Let me bless them. And, you know, he will bless the children. Those 30-something children, every one of them has been blessed by Jesus, just by being in the presence of God's Holy Spirit in this place. And as we are blessed, amen, Jesus said that when two or three gather together in his name, there he is in the midst. And I'm sure that Jesus was going around just blessing these children, uh, each and every one of them, because he wants them all to come to him, to come to faith. And will betide anyone who would hinder them in any way in fact he said that it would be better for anyone who interferes with these children it would be better for them to be have a millstone thrown around the neck and thrown into the deep and um, but that's the strength of, of what jesus believed about the possibility of what can happen with these little ones these little children john wesley charles wesley you know they were great men of god But the fact is they had a godly mother. And I understand she probably had 18 children. And they knew that when Mrs. Wesley threw her, she used to throw her apron over her head apparently. And she used to then be communicating with her Heavenly Father. And the children knew that was the time that they had to be quiet. But what a blessing that uh, came from... That mother's love for her children to pray and intercede, and um, you know, and there was John and Charles ready. And I think there were several others who went into the ministry as well of those children. So, who knows what, what's going to come out of those children? Um, we, uh, in days to come, years to come, we may uh, begin to realize that uh, yes, God did it there just through the words that were spoken and through the people that were committed into probably the greatest ministry of all is reaching, you know, the children. I think it was Dale Moody said, give me a child by the age of seven and um, I'll have him for life. That works also on reverse. The devil knows that. If, uh, it's very difficult. You see, as children get older, um, their hearts get hardened, and, uh, but but when when they're just at a young age, the Holy Spirit has got a heart that he can really uh, move into so quickly. Their faith is what Jesus said, childlike faith. And yet we're all called to have childlike faith uh, because sometimes we make the gospel so complicated and, and Christianity so complicated when it is so simple that a little child can enter in and that's the way that God has made it. But sometimes we, we want to get so intellectual and try to work out uh, reasons and, and things rather than just accepting like the little children do. They just believe. They believe what Vanessa said. You know, that God loves them. That Jesus died for them. And they take it by faith. And it says in the word of God, call on the name of Jesus and you will be saved so simple, isn't it? And sometimes I think, well, did they really give their life to God? Well, God knows, amen. He's only looking for that little bit of faith. And he says, be it unto you according to your faith. And the same for us this morning, whatever our needs are. He says, come, come in that simple way. Not to be childish, but we have to be childlike. And we approach it um, without questioning. You know, this is what God's Word says. And and it really will be a lamp to your feet, a light to your path, as you take it by faith, step by step. Amen. And the steps of a righteous man are ordered by God. So the, the life that he's got for us, it's already planned out, it's already worked out, but he does want to get us into that place that we'll follow his plan. That's where we come in. That's our uh, purpose, that uh, he, uh, he doesn't press a button and make us do these things. But he says, I've got to renew your mind and your thinking. You see, when you got born again, your mind didn't get born again. The mind is to be renewed, and guess who has to renew it? Well, we do. That's what Paul says in Romans 12. The youth who, uh, I think some of them are down at Momentum this, uh, this week, but they were telling us when they had their week away that uh, they were studying Romans 12 and how much they were getting out of Romans 1 and Romans 2. Uh, Romans 12, 1 and twelve two, 2. Uh, special scriptures, but very important um, as we realize. So let's turn to the Word of God. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for this opportunity to open your Word. We thank you, Lord, for the preservation of your Word throughout the ages. And we know that your Word says of itself that your Word is settled forever in heaven. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you became the living Word And so that we could see God in that sense that uh, you said when uh, you see me, you've seen the Father. And what an amazing statement. No other person would ever be able to say that. But you are the true and living God. We thank you, Father, that you are uh, working out all things for his purpose and that he is coming again. You are sending him once again to this earth. And Father, though sin is uh, moving so strongly upon this earth, you say that wherever sin abounds, grace does more abound. We thank you for that understanding that you are working your works in these days and that you are going to bring a mighty work of your Holy Spirit in these end times. And so, Lord, we pray that we might be prepared for all that you got for us. Thank you for the ministries that you've raised up in these days, that your gospel might be truly proclaimed. And we give you praise and thanks in Jesus' name. Amen so we've been studying over the last year I'm surprised how long it's taken As when I started looking at these words of the gospel the mention of the gospel in the word of God I thought well maybe a couple of months and yet here we are over a year and we're still we're getting towards the end of the New Testament but 1 Peter chapter 4 and uh, Peter mentions this gospel again. He was the one who preached the gospel on the day of Pentecost and we know 3,000 were ushered in. When you study that first sermon of Peter, you realize it was a simple message. And uh, the result of his preaching at the end was that in fact the people cried out, what must we do to be saved? Uh, So often we're having to put altar calls out and yet the people were so convicted of the Holy Spirit. And I think those days are going to return again uh, where people are so kind of convicted by the power of the Holy Spirit, they they come crying out, what must we do to be saved? Uh, It's great to hear that from a heart because one thing you can be sure, when people are convicted, truly convicted of the Holy Spirit, You know, that it's going to be a genuine move of God into them because they were desperate to know. Um, And they they could understand these unlearned men and women of God were speaking in tongues in their own language and they knew there was something supernatural going on. And I was talking about this um, uh, earlier this week uh, to someone who was saying, you know, the days are such now that... The only way that you're going to see major breakthroughs, particularly amongst the Muslims who are so indoctrinated that that basically the one thing that really turns them to God is when they see the supernatural. You see, they don't have that power in Islam, but the Christians do have it, but we're not seeing it manifest simply because maybe the church isn't really believing it. Uh, and yet, God is challenging us in these days. He's ready to do his part if we're ready to do our part. And um, I was reading something um, that Derek Prince was, was, uh, wrote some, some years back. And uh, it was it was in connection with the Muslims. And he was saying, you know, uh, and we, we've seen this in operation. When we've done open airs, we, we see that the people that will come and talk with you about religion, or you know, are the Muslims? They're not afraid, they, they don't mind uh, having debates, and you know, they'll talk with you. The white people, they just walk past, though the gospel's been preached, they're not really all that interested. But you'll see that the Muslims, they, they'll, they'll hang about, and if you go up to them, they're not embarrassed, they, they'll, they'll, they'll dialogue with you. But what Derek was saying is, is you know, there's two things. And he said that this is, this is how the enemy works. He doesn't only just work with Muslims, he works even with believers. He comes to uh, cloud your mind and to uh, make you doubt certain things. And he, he said, they will agree, the Muslims will agree with you about lots of things that you talk about concerning Jesus. About Jesus' is coming back, they will agree with that. Jesus a, uh, was a prophet. But he says the two things that the devil has convinced the Muslims about, and why it is so difficult to see them convert and come to Christ, he said. The first, the first thing is basically, they are taught and told very clearly that Jesus didn't actually die on the cross. They actually believe that what happened: the angels came and took him off the cross before he actually died. See how subtle and crafted the enemy is. Because if they don't believe that Jesus died for our sins, well, there is no salvation. You have to believe that Jesus died for you. Like the little boy or girl, whoever it was, wrote on her little kind of thing that she was going to send up in the air, thank you, Jesus, for dying for me, a little child. Who knows where that balloon has gone? God's got his ways of of that landing in somebody's garden or whatever, and they read that. Thank you, Jesus, for dying for me. Who knows what God does with these things? That was a little girl's faith. She was writing. And um, so, so that's the first thing that Muslims are told. And uh, Derek says in his experience, and he worked uh, a lot in Africa and, and so on, those places where a, a strong Muslim contingency there. He said, but as soon as they are confronted with the fact that you tell them that Jesus died on the cross already, they're thinking, no, he didn't. No, he didn't. Because the angels took him off. And the second thing that they are told very clearly is that Jesus is not the Son of God. Usually they... um, I've talked with Muslims on, on those things and they say, well, if Jesus was the Son of God, who was the Mother of God? Because as Father God which they'll recognize. But you see, their uh, th- thinking is, is so tainted by the enemy and by Muslim teaching. And therefore, they cannot equate Jesus as being the Son of God. And of course, if you don't believe that Jesus is the Son of God, then um, your, your faith is, is in that which is incorrect. That's why the, Mus- the Mormons, the Jehovah's Witnesses, Christian scientists, all the cults are uh, off beam because they don't recognize that Jesus is very God. And that's a major thing. You must believe that he is very God. He is the only one who was perfect, the only one who could die for our sins. Mankind um, are born in sin. And so whoever might be a good person, nevertheless, as they were born, they were born with the Adamic nature. And therefore, we need to be born again. And so Peter, uh, as we begin to look at 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 6 where he mentions the gospel yet again and of course uh, the children have been learning about Peter and at this time that he's writing this letter we understand that he probably was not long before he would actually uh, be martyred he was coming to the end of his days and uh, Peter and Paul we uh, tradition says that they were both kind of martyred in Rome we don't know for absolute certainty that that was the case, but nevertheless, that, that Peter is reminding the believers, and he's writing this letter mainly to Gentile believers, and he's reminding of, um, them of, of things that are so important. And in verse 6, it says, For this reason the gospel was preached also to those who are dead, that they might be judged according to men in the flesh. They might be judged according to men in the flesh, but live according to God in the Spirit. And we know the fact is that before a person comes to God or comes to Christ, that basically is is seen as dead. God said to Adam, in the day that you take of, of that fruit, if you take of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, uh, you will surely die. The devil came and... Uh, and the first thing the devil will always do is to counteract the word of God. That's why what Vanessa was saying was so important. That though the word has been sown, Jesus taught that, that when the word is being sown, when the sower sows the seed, one of the things that often happens is that birds of the air, they come and take the seed and of course, that's what the devil does. He tries to take the seed out of those hearts. But, but that's why it's so important when the the seed has been sown to keep praying, keep you know watering it, keep uh, thinking of these children, keep praying for them, that that seed will will take you know real growth in, into their heart, and and eventually will produce. I remember when we first got married and. Uh, um, my next-door neighbor, who was actually my best man, and I was his best man, we, we got married within three weeks of each other. And we bought um, a house, we were semi-detached house, and we, we were joining. And uh, in those days, uh, where we were in Oslo, you, you weren't allowed to put any uh, kind of um, walls up. It was set to be open plan, and you had to. So we decided what we'd do, we would, we would uh, put loans down. And uh, I was watching Barry putting all this seed down, and I, I, you know, because I was an accountant, and and you you always work out things accurately. I'd looked in the gardening books, and and it told me exactly, you know, for the area that I had, how much seed I had to buy to sow. And so I did it according to the book, and uh, and you know it it was sufficient. And then I was watching Barry, and uh, I said, "What are you doing?" He had bags of seed, twice as much as I had. But he was wiser than I was because he'd taken notes of, you know, his father who had uh, sown lawns. And he said, well, he says, there's a bag that's for the lawn and there's a bag that's for the birds. So I said, what do you mean? He says, says, as soon as we put this, you know, seed down, the birds are going to be, and sure enough, he was right. And I was watching these birds coming and robbing me of all of my seed. So in the end, um, I thought, okay. And, uh, and I put all, I had to, to get all the cotton out. And I got cotton uh, uh, right across the lawn so, so the birds couldn't actually get in to take. But it took me ages to do that. But Barry didn't bother. And, and his lawn came up just as good as mine. And uh, sure enough, the, you know, the birds were having a treat, but, uh, but there was still enough in the ground. Um, but that's the way that nature is. And Jesus, often when he was telling his parables, he, he would communicate on the things that the people knew about. So they knew about, you know, sowing the seed and so on, and some falls on stony ground. And even Jesus, you see, he said that, you know, there are four types of soil, basically, and, uh, you know, there's only one that is going to, be really good soil and good ground. Uh, But we got to keep sowing. That's the the bottom line. We should never stop bringing the word of God to bear. And so uh, for, for this cause, Peter writes, was the gospel preached to them that are dead, that they might be judged according to men in the flesh, but live according to God in the spirit. And so we are aware that even when we get born again, You know that uh, that there is this this very fact. We've got to live by the Spirit, and uh, it's not a matter that nothing has happened when we got born again. We we did get a new nature. We became righteous in the eyes of God, and yet we also have a mind that can still go the old way and think on the old things. And so Paul tells you got to keep renewing your mind, so you think. According now to the word of God and believe the things that the word says about you, because otherwise we we don't live in the spirit. And then if you go into verse 1 of chapter 4, because uh, this tells you now, uh, here we have the same word therefore, and we say that whenever you see therefore in the word, you've got to see why it's Therefore. And that means that what, what Peter is, is saying is because of something that he said previously. And so if you go back into chapter 3, verse 18, it says, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive by the Spirit. And so uh, Jesus is always our example. And even Jesus, he, uh, he had to go to death uh, for the Spirit to raise him from the dead, and he lived by the Spirit. That was the very fact of him being born into this world. That he had that anointing of the Holy Spirit upon him for his ministry and for his service. But but you know, he he was someone who never was seeking um, glory for himself, as the Holy Spirit doesn't. He always wanted to glorify the Father. The Holy Spirit always wants to glorify Jesus. uh, And that's the way that the Godhead is. And so often we find, even in Christian circles, people want to be at the top. But the way to get to the top is to start at the bottom. Jesus came from all the glory of heaven and was born in the most humble way. But wherever Jesus was confronted with, with uh, people who had this kind of nature to be number one, he would just show his humility. And uh, it wasn't a false humility. That's the way that uh, he has told us to live also. And so uh, as Christ suffered uh, for our sins... Uh, the just for the unjust. He was completely righteous in all of his ways. He was the only one who could really pay for our sins because he was completely just in, in all that he was and all that he, uh, he did. That he might bring us to God. And now we realize that the gospel has worked. For 2,000 years, people have been coming to God, but they all come the same way. Come on the basis of what Christ has done is dying on the cross. And as we've received that by faith, then we become alive in God. And then it goes on to say, by whom also he went and preached to the spirits in prison. So his complete victory. We sang quite a lot of songs this morning about the victory that Jesus has won for us and that uh, he is the overcomer, but he has made us also overcomers. So now back in chapter 4, verse 1, you can begin to see what, Peter saying when he says, Therefore, since Christ suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves also with the same mind, for he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. So the first thing that Peter is beginning to tell us here that we 've received this glorious gospel, but we 've got to arm ourselves we 're living in a world where they, you know everything is bombarding our mind, you know the battlefield for the believer." is is here in our head. It's between our ears. And therefore, that's why it's so important, as Paul says, renew your mind. If your mind is not renewed, even though you're born again, you still can begin to think in the old ways and do the old things. It's not because you've got an old nature there that is forcing you to do that. You have actually got a mind that once it's renewed, that you don't have to be contained by the old things that you were caught into. That's why uh, whether people have been caught up in drugs or alcohol or whatever, if the mind is renewed, you don't have to go back into those things. Those things don't have the power that they used to have. Out of Christ, we didn't have the power to control those things, but it's Christ in us now. And uh, therefore, a greater is He that's in you than He that's in the world. But the mind has got to be thinking according to the Word of God, taking the Word of God and using the Word of God in every situation whether it's sickness or illness you know those things that Jesus died for on the cross so we have to renew our mind and our thinking we affirm that by his stripes I was healed that was something that took place 2,000 years ago I was free from sin 2,000 years ago but I've got to believe in Jesus but for the believer we still have to put our mind into gear God has done His part and now he's saying, you do your part, believe what my word says, and whatever you believe, you can receive. Amen. And it's, it's a simple uh, way of faith. And so arm yourself with the same mind. And so we have the mind of Christ, the word of God says. So as Christ had to, even when he was on the earth, he had to take the word from his father before he could activate anything on the earth. He says, "Oh, I only do what he told me to do and but he had to have the instructions in the same way you've got to get the instructions you've got it here in this book. Amen. Holy Spirit will help you and guide you into the truth of it, um, but that's important. This is the process, and where we 're now in, in in the place where we're having to really emphasize to believers it's not, God isn't just interested in having converts. He wants disciples. Jesus said, go and make disciples. He didn't even say, go and make converts. He said, go and make disciples. Because disciples are those who are disciplined in their mind and in their thinking. And they're actually going to do the acts of God. They're going to do the works of God. And we're able to do that. So the emphasis even in Bible colleges. Those students are going through the discipleship evangelism course every year. It's strengthening uh, this area. God wants disciples. Disciples will change the world. Just being a convert and saying, well, I believe in Jesus. And you may well be born again, but if you're not a disciple, you're not going to receive all that God has got for you. It's, um, It's like still being in the wilderness to some degree. You're not enjoying the fruits of Canaan that God has said, it's flowing with milk and honey. And yet, we know even in Canaan, there were battles. And so, a lot of the songs again this morning were about the warfare. And, you know, uh, we we have an enemy. But the enemy is under our feet. Amen. And uh, that's why we've got to renew our mind. We'll see this a little bit later on, how important this is. And so, in verse 2, it says that he no longer... Uh, should live the rest of his time in the flesh for the lusts of men, but for the will of God. Notice this. Um, uh, what, what Peter is saying, that when we become a believer, we are no longer meant to be living according to the way of the flesh. That's how we used to live outside of Christ. We, we did what we felt to do. And we would no thought of God. We didn't want to serve God. We, we probably didn't give him any thought. We might have said, I believe, I, you know, before I became born again, I, I would have said I believe in God, but I didn't serve him. I didn't really study the Word at all. Didn't have any interest that way in church. Never went to church in 18 years. Parents never told me I had to go to church or Sunday school, and I never did. But the, the fact is that I still would have said I believed in God, but it says in the Word, the devils believe Satan believes in God. He knows he exists. But it doesn't make you uh, a child of God. And so, again, Peter is saying that we no longer should live the rest of our time in the flesh. And when you think about it, we've all got a rest of time. We don't know how long we've got. And um, we'd like to think that the rest of the life that we've got will come to an end when Jesus comes back. Well, that may not be the case. For some of us, we may die before he comes back. It, the signs that are in the world <laughs> seem to indicate it may not be too long before Jesus is coming back because everything is moving so strongly and powerfully. We can see what's happening in Israel. Years ago, I remember somebody saying to me, and this was before really there was an awful lot going on in Israel, but he said, keep your eyes on Israel. Because that's where it's all going to come to a climax. And of course it is. Because Jesus when he comes back. He's going to come back to Israel. He's going to take up his place in Jerusalem. All the nations will have to come and bow to him. Amen. And it won't be long. According to uh, the way things are. But we are to live the rest of our time that's really what Peter is, is really trying to get the message over to the believers of his time is saying you should live the rest of your time not in the flesh but in the spirit even as believers we can we can still live in the flesh we can still do what we want to do and ignore really what God is calling us to do it doesn't mean that you won't go to heaven if you've really been born again but Peter is really emphasizing you know, Jesus chose to live in the Spirit not in the flesh. He came to die so that we don't have to live in the flesh but live in the Spirit. But he's saying, spend the rest of your time living in the Spirit. And we can do that. And it seems maybe a high calling. But the Holy Spirit lives in us and that makes the difference. Our body is the container for God's Spirit. Our body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. So in all of these things, um, we want to really make things count for eternity because beyond this life, it is eternity. We're living forever in the presence of God and all the things that He's got for us. So whether we live uh, on this earth until we die or until Jesus comes back, nevertheless, the same applies the rest of this time. There's um, uh, a new country song that... Trevor himself liked like the country music, and there's a song that's just been written, and it caught my attention straight away. And, it, you know, like country songs, they tend to tell a story. And I don't know whether you, you go into graveyards, but you'll, you'll see on every gravestone it will say, Born so-and-so. And then there's like a dash, and then the day that they died. And this, this country song is saying something about what did you do in the dash? Because you've got your birth date, you've got your date when you died, but there's, there's a little mark there and that represents your life on the earth. What did that dash count for? And, and so that's really what Peter said. Make it count for something, you know, for God. Live it in the Spirit. Live it to the full. The devil will try to stop you living for God in the, in the dash. But, but praise God, there's an awful lot uh, that we can do while we're here um, because we, we don't know what another day is going to bring. You know, It could be a miracle. It could be all kinds of things that can happen in one day. You know, God is able to bring about the most amazing things. You know, um, one of the truths is that the devil has a plan to destroy your life. don't know whether you've ever thought about that. But it's an awesome thing. The devil has a plan to destroy your life. He's taking a lot of people to destruction. You see, we forget that the devil is a schemer. He's had at least 6,000 years of dealing with mankind. And he knows how to manipulate people and how to get to them. And of course, he does work overtime on the believers. I never gave the devil a thought until I became a believer. Never thought about the devil. But my goodness, once you start living for Jesus, he keeps turning up and trying. And of course, if he came and tried to take Jesus out, and we know that he did, he came and tempted him. And yet, the, the way that Jesus uh, overruled that was always to bring the word of God against the devil. But this is what the word says. This is what the word says. It is written. And the devil had to leave him. And so we've we, we got to use our own uh, kind of uh, words against him uh, that we have from the Lord and uh, for them to be personalized. And we know the ground that, on which we're standing. And we can say, get behind me, Satan. Amen. And we have authority to do that. Resist the devil. But it says you've got to submit yourself to God and resist the devil without the submission to God you find that the devil won't take any notice of you and so again uh, Paul said it this way in, in when he was writing to the churches in Galatia he says oh foolish Galatians this is uh, Galatians 3 1 who has bewitched you interesting word that was used there but what he was saying is you've heard the voice of the devil you started In the spirit, now you've gone into the flesh. Who has bewitched you to do that? You see, the Galatians had stopped really having their mind renewed on these things. They were listening to those who were coming into the churches and saying, well, you know, you've got to do this to be a true believer. You've got to be circumcised. In other words, they were trying to put the law and saying it's no longer just grace. It's law and grace. But, of course, we know that if you break one of the laws, you're guilty of them all. And we're no longer under the law. We're under grace, thank God. Um, but Paul had to remind them of those things. O foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you that you should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ hath been evidently set forth, crucified among you. And, uh, you see, the enemies that we, uh, we face... Uh, are not flesh and blood. They are these principalities and powers, invisible spirit beings. And that's why I say, you know, the devil really does have a plan to destroy your life. Jesus said it this way, the thief, referring to the enemy, comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. But he says, I've come to give you life in all of its fullness, abundant life, he said. That's why I've come. The devil will destroy your life, but I've come for the one purpose of giving you life, giving us eternal life, but here on the earth to enjoy abundant life as well, not just when we get to heaven. Amen. You say it's not just pie in the sky. It's steak on the plate while you wait. Amen. We can enjoy our life, praise God, here on earth. And yet we know we're being confronted by the enemy um, but one of the things you see you've got to do, uh, because we, we know what it is to fight flesh and blood, and sometimes even the church falls for the trap that the devil brings. This person's against you, that person. And, the, and, and so we, we begin to start thinking things about one another. But the Word of God says, no, that's not where the fight is. The devil is manipulating people against you, maybe, but you don't fight flesh and blood. Because otherwise you get a wrong spirit then. Because our, our attitude is to forgive one another, or should be. Peter on one occasion asking Jesus, well, and I think he was thought he was doing pretty okay, and he said, How many times do we forgive Jesus? Seven times? Maybe he'd been rubbed up by some of the other disciples at that time. And Jesus says, no, not seven times Peter, 70 times seven. Basically, what Jesus was really saying is, that works out at 490, if my maths are right. But basically, he was was really saying, no, you've got to have a forgiving spirit all the time. Because when when you're you're that attitude, the devil doesn't have any way into you. But as soon as we have some grievance, some, you know, dispute in our heart, in our thinking... um, you know, we uh, we we we're just we're just free from the enemies uh, if if we if we ourselves are of that forgiving spirit. I saw an interview. I talked about uh, the, the man that they found over in uh, Bolivia last week. He was the oldest man they reckon on the earth. But last night on uh, I think it was on the news, they interviewed this woman from China, uh, and she was 116. Um, 116 years old. And they, they were saying, you know, what do you put it down to? And I think she said something like, well, I eat everything. Uh, so, you know, it wasn't a specific diet, but she said, one thing that she never does and never has done in her life was ever to lose a temper. You know, and, and you, you think, well, you know, because sometimes we, we, we forget some of these grievances and these things enables the enemy to put sickness upon us even. And therefore, You know, the word of God is so, you know, when Jesus said, have no worry, have no anxious thought. Take no thought of tomorrow. Let tomorrow take care of itself. Why are you worried about eating and clothing? Don't I clothe the the fields with, you know, wonderful flowers? The birds, you know, they get fed. So why are you worrying? And here we have God who has committed, you know, when we commit our life to the Lord, we forget He is committed 100% to us to take care of us. We're his children. He's not going to allow things, you know, to uh, take control of us other than what we allow. The devil can only do to you what you allow him to do. Amen. And we, uh, we need to uh, make sure that we... Counteract all that he's doing, and we are to fight the fight of faith. The only fight that you're called in the Word of God to do is to fight the fight of faith, the shield of faith against all the fiery darts of the enemy. So, we have this in these invisible spirit beings called demons, and the devil has got a hierarchy. It talks about it in the Word of God, principalities, powers, and and they're all in in kind of, uh, it's almost like they've got legions of these uh, demons, and they're set to come against the body of Christ or against individuals, and they all have a purpose. And yet, you know, even the devil himself is no match for you as you stand on the Word of God, because you truly can resist the devil, and he will flee from you. But you've got to know what you're standing on. So, beloved, you've got to make a mental adjustment. That's so often what we don't do. We don't kind of work these things out in our thinking. Well, why is this happening? And why am I coming against someone that's flesh and blood? When behind that is the principality. It says it is the power of the air. Apparently, in in the Greek, there's two words uh, for air. One is where we get our word for ether. and, And that's the kind of the atmosphere uh, the higher atmosphere, but the one that talks about where he is the prince of the power of the air, actually refers to the earth. And therefore, he, the devil does have power. He does have authority. And sometimes we, we don't recognize that, you see, but he has authority over every person who is in rebellion to God. He controls them. When you were out of Christ, he was able to control you. In Christ, is still trying to control you. But if you make the mental adjustment say, uh, I belong to Jesus, I have authority. In the name of Jesus, I can come against you. In the name of Jesus, I can tell you uh, to, to move off because you do have that authority. Amen. Uh, he has nothing on us, you see, because before God, we, we have been perfected in Christ. We are sanctified. We are separated unto God. We have all of these things going for us. So, beloved, your outlook determined your outcome. And, and, and it's, it's about whatever you think concerning the Word of God. If you see, you know, the Word of God, you know, and you stand on that, and now you look at it, this, So oh, well, that's all right for the pastor. Oh, that's all right for these, you know, Andrew Womax and these kind of people. But it doesn't work. Yes, it does. God's no respecter of persons. He just is looking for faith. You're standing in faith on the Word of God. And uh, someone said, uh, I don't know whether you've ever had this experience, you may have, but sometimes you go into some of these restaurants, and, um, and they, they've got the lights really dim. This is where uh, Dominic would take uh, Rachel, you see, and it's nice and uh, cozy, and, and it's quite dim, and it's supposed to look quite nice. But the trouble is, you, you're kind of trying to read the menu, you know, you can't make it out, because it's so dark. And somebody pointed out, you know, that, that even, you know, when you, when you get into a dark room, eventually your eyes begin to adjust. And you begin to realize, well, I can make it out now. But when you first go into a dark room, immediately, you know, you can't see. You may have that, you know, uh, when you walk into the bedroom and the lights are off. And then suddenly it's it a little bit lighter. But someone pointed out, you know, it's a little bit like that even with things of the flesh or sin the more that you kind of stay in the darkness, your eyes get more open to the darkness. And the devil's very crafty, you see. And, and what may start with just a little kind of thing that may be, you know, a kind of film that really, you know, well, I shouldn't really be watching this. But, but you can get accustomed to the darkness. And so then it's not such a big deal anymore. And now we, we continue watching things and reading things that really, you know, we shouldn't be. But that's the way that, you know, that's why we, we really have to program our mind, no, this is not what the Word says. And, uh, and so we, we, we stay out of the darkness. And, um, but we are not, it says in Romans 8, 9, you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If so, be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he's none of his. But we are not in the flesh, praise God. You know, and we, we get our mind adjusted to that. We are in the spirit. We're meant to walk in the spirit, live in the spirit. And uh, this whole this idea uh, of, uh, you know, that the crisis quickened us. When, when Vanessa was talking about doing this alphabet thing, I was thinking, oh, yeah, that's interesting. And I was thinking, I wonder what she'd do for Q. And, and the word that came to me was quickened. We've been quickened in the Spirit. And sometimes we forget that. We, we can go about thinking, you know, what, what's going on? I don't feel so good. And, um, and maybe even physically, there are times when you might feel a little bit weary. Jesus was weary. He sat down at the well in some area, and they'd probably been walking some distance. And Jesus physically was just like you and me. He was probably a lot fitter, and his diet was probably a lot better, and, and so on. But but nevertheless, he got tired, and uh, and that was natural. That's you know the body demands us to at times have good rest, and 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 so he he obviously would do that. And um, but it says here we are quickened in the spirit. So ma- no matter what your body is saying, your spirit is the real you anyway, and and your spirit. As is meant to dominate your life. We are meant to be living in the spirit, not in the flesh. We have to take note of things of the body, and uh, because the temple, you know, the body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, so we should regard that. Um, but basically, Ephesians two one says, "You have you has he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. We were in our trespasses and sins, but now he has quickened you." By the Spirit. That's where you got born again. That's the new life that He gave to you. And He says, Where in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the Prince of the power of the air, the Spirit that now works in the children of disobedience. So you see, the devil is looking for disobedience. That's why we say we want to see disciples, you know, uh, come about who are disciplined in their walk with God, they're quickened by the Spirit, but is, wherever he finds disobedience, then the devil is going to begin to work against those people. He's going to begin to cause them to do the wrong thing. As we said, Satan does have a legitimate authority over all those who are in rebellion to God. He is the prince of the power of the air. He is controlling so many lives. Now, God offers ways out of Satan's kingdom, you know, because there's only two kingdoms. I mean, we have the United Kingdom, but, but the way that God looks at it, there's two kingdoms on this earth. There's the kingdom of God, and there's the kingdom of Satan. And out of Christ, we're in the kingdom of Satan. Thank God that we came to hear the good news, and we, we realized I can be taken out of that kingdom of the devil and translated into the kingdom of God. And that's where new birth comes in. As soon as you give your life to Jesus, then there's a, there is a move from one kingdom into the other. Um, but the fact is, um, and again, Derek Prince said this, uh, and it, it seems very strong, but he said that millions and millions of Christians are in between. Yet they've left the kingdom of Satan. And what he was saying, he used to, he used to preach, uh, he used to have a church in Africa. And uh, where his church was, it was right on the border of um, Zaire. And what's the other place? Um, Zimbabwe. And the Zambezi River runs in between. And he said one of the ways that he tried to uh, inform the African natives of, of this aspect of the kingdom of God. He would say, it's a little bit like, you know, we're on the east side of the Zambezi. And that could be representing the kingdom of, of Satan. On the other side, in Zaire, which I think now is the um, Congo, because it changed in about 1997 or something so you get a, a geography lesson as well here and uh, and so he was saying if if you wanted to get to Zaire we would have to build a bridge to get there and he said you know that what Jesus has done is the actual bridge from one kingdom into the other and so he said he used to bring this so that they could understand that, you know, Zambezi was a pretty big river. Uh, some people go rafting down there. And, and so the, the, was, the only way across was through this bridge. And he said, well, what God has done, he, Jesus has come and he has become the bridge. But what Derek Prince says, he believed, uh, I mean, he's gone to be with the Lord now, he says millions of believers are still on the bridge. They've left the kingdom of Satan. They're standing on the bridge, but they haven't actually got into enjoying all of the kingdom benefits. I think, and you know, when I was thinking, I thought, I know a lot of people that are still really just on the bridge. How sad, because all the benefits... I suppose it's a, a little bit like the children of Israel. They got out of, out of Egypt after 430 years of bondage and and God had said, I've got the promised land for you. It's flowing with milk and honey. And yet for 40 years, all they did was really stand on the bridge a bit of complaining, muttering against Moses and you brought us out and we've no food, we've no water. When they got these miraculous, imagine 40 years of of, you know, of food being served. I know it was the same diet, um, but they saw a miracle every day. Their shoes never wore out. And they weren't wearing Crocs, or, you know. They and God was showing them miracle after miracle, and yet all they could do was grumble and complain. And as a result, because of that, they just went around in circled. In other words, they remained on the bridge And there it was, beautiful land waiting for them. And uh, sometimes you think maybe a lot of believers are just like that. They're they're not really enjoying all the fruit and all the things that God has got for them because, you know, they, they haven't made that kind of mental adjustment that is necessary. That's why we have Bible college because, I mean, Dominic would tell you people come from different kind of backgrounds, different denominations and so on, have different kinds of things. And, and yet, you know, the whole purpose of Bible college is to make disciples and then for them to make disciples. The, the greatest growth in the church is when disciples are made and then they make disciples. And, and Jesus knew what he was talking about, you see. You know, if we just make converts, well, a convert could still be somebody who's standing on the bridge. A disciple is one who's chosen to go over the bridge, get into all of the blessings and the provisions of God, but not just to count that for themselves. Say, we've got to tell other people about this. But you can only tell people about what you know. And if all you know is about what you see from the bridge rather than what you experience in the land you know, that God has given to us, then And so this is where we are encouraged, beloved, by and this is what Peter is really getting to. Don't hang around on the bridge. You know, God has got so much more. And finally, uh, to close with Romans 5.17 says, For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Jesus Christ that's what he wants he wants us reigning someone said we're training for reigning and that's kind of looking to the time when Jesus comes back and he sets up his kingdom here on the earth and we we get into all that God has got for eternity for us but we can reign while we're here as well and we're learning every day it doesn't mean that we've arrived and got everything together We're, you know, as Andrew would say you know, I haven't arrived but I've left amen, I'm on my way And as long as we can be saying that we're making progress, we're moving on, um, we're having our mind renewed every day, we're not being conformed to this world, or as J.B. Phillips says in his translation, you're not being squeezed into the mold of the world. That's what the devil loves to do. He's the God of this world, and he's wanting to put you into its mold. Even believers can be being molded by him to think different things. Oh, well, you can't really believe for that these days. You can't believe in these gifts of the Spirit. They were for, you know, uh, just the first century. And and you can be squeezed into that mold. Still love God. Still, you know, you can be talking in tongues and all of this kind of thing. And yet you can still be on the bridge. And... Uh, Some people think that when they're speaking tongues, they've arrived and that's it. Well, praise God, it's a great gift and it's uh, something that we can, you know, um, really be used in by praying in the Spirit and so on. But you can be still standing on the bridge and enjoying, you know, these things that you think you've gotten. Um, But praise God, there's so much more, isn't there? I don't know about you, but... You know, I believe we're to press on into these things. And, uh, but remember, get the mind renewed according to what God has said about you. Don't believe the lies of the devil who tell you you're no good, you're never going to make it. You know, God can't use you. Yes, He can. He can prophesy through donkeys. So, you know, don't worry about those things. Amen. He's for you and He's not against you. He really is uh, doing all that He can to bring us into the fullness of the gospel in our experience, not just because we read it on the word. Got to get the word off the page into our heart. It gets transmitted through our mind, but it's got to get into the heart. Amen. Our thinking goes to it when we start reading it. It comes into our mind, but if it only stays in your mind, you'll just have head knowledge. And uh, you know, one of the things that that uh, Paul talks about is having this revelation of the knowledge of the word. It's always because it's the revealed Word of God. When the revelation comes, you know you've got it. Amen. Father, we just thank You for Your Word this morning. We thank You for its truth. We thank You, Lord, that it changes us into that wonderful image of the Lord Jesus. We know that Christ lives on the inside. And Father, we desire that all that is on the inside will come on the outside of us so that we might be those who not just say the Word but live the Word and, People looking at our lives might be able to even see the gospel in us, Lord. That they might come to you. We thank you for all that you're doing in our time. We believe, Lord, that you're raising up your people for such a time as this. And we thank you, Lord, that you love this world so much that you gave your Son, the Lord Jesus, to be our salvation, to be our Savior and our Lord. And we give you thanks, Lord Jesus, that you have done all things well. We know that you sat down at the hand of the father having made all your enemies your footstool lord and we we give you praise that that because you sat down we realize you'd done everything that was necessary you did everything that was required of you you obeyed the father and our desire is that we might obey him who is our god and our savior and lord we give you praise we pray your blessing on those who are on holiday at this time we thank you for the fellowship that we have with them. We pray you strengthen them in their bodies, in their physical being, but also in their uh, mental parts, in their spirit, Lord, that they might come back refreshed and ready to do all that you've called us to do in these days. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. For more information, please check out www for